Hi, good morning, Grace Church. Great to see you this morning. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church. also want to say welcome to those of you who are watching on Facebook Live. And did you know we have people watching on Facebook Live? I think that's cool. I was thinking when I was just sitting over here, we have never said hi or welcome those who are watching on Facebook Live. So if you could just help me out this morning on the count of three, just say hi, everyone on Facebook Live, all right? That would be cool. One, two, three. Hi, everyone. Hey, nice to see you. That's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat> we need to have a little fun around here. It's okay. Loosen up. Uh, we are starting a new series, um, and we are looking at a letter called Colossians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. But before we dive into that, I just want us to uh, uh, remember some of the things that we've covered over the last couple months. Over the last couple months, we have covered a lot of ground. And let me remind you of a couple of the big ideas if you remember back in April and May, we did a series called The Ideal Family. And the whole idea was there is no ideal family, okay? We are all broken. We all have our, uh, our skeletons in the closet, you could say. We're all messed up in some way. But if you remember, the encouragement was given to creatively display, to, to come up with your family's core values. Like, what is it that your family really values? What is it that really uh, pushes your family forward and, and, and guides your family? What are the values that you hold up high in your family? And creatively display that in your home for you and your spouse, for your children, even for guests. When they come into your home, they say, wow, forgiveness is really important to this family. Or maybe it's hope, or maybe it's love, or maybe it's transparency, whatever it may be. You were encouraged to come up with some family core values. What are, what are values that you hold up high that would really guide your family forward? Last month, I preached a series called Strapped. And uh, we were talking about the importance of handling our finances in a way that honors God. And we learned that if you are in debt, you are a slave to the debtor. That's what the scripture says. And most Americans are slaves. We are in slavery to the debtor. And uh, we talked about the fact that we don't serve money, we serve God. And money serves us as we serve God. And so we wanted to have a really clear grasp. We want to have a good understanding of how to handle money. And some encouragements were given to you, some resources were given to you to help you get out of debt. And maybe you weren't here at that series. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, I am in debt up to my eyeballs. I'm really stressed about this. Man, please go to gracedurango.com. My email address is on there, other email addresses of our pastors. You can contact me, and I would love to connect you with some resources that can help you get out of debt. And in that series, we dreamt of a day when every family, when every individual in Grace Church was completely debt-free. Like, how amazing would that be? Imagine the ministry. Imagine the help that we could be to the people in this community if we were walking in freedom financially. Last Sunday... I took just one week to, to remind us of the strategy of Grace Church. Like, what is this church all about? And let me just be upfront and tell you, the win of Grace Church is to make disciples of Jesus who learn and grow and are equipped to make disciples of Jesus. This is a disciple-making church. That's what we're all about. We want to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And our strategy is get in, grow up, go out. We want to see people come to faith 
We want to see them get into the family of God. We want to see them get baptized just like Jesus was baptized. We want to see people commit to his church, the church that Jesus gave his life for. We want to see those people grow up in their faith and really get grounded on the truth and the teachings of God. And then we want to see people get out of here, right? And go and make a difference in this world. We want to see people go out. And that is the strategy of this, of this church. And today, what we're doing is we have the incredible opportunity to begin a dive into what many people believe is one of the most important letters ever written in the history of the world. One of the most important letters ever written in the history of mankind. It's a letter from Paul, one of the great leaders of the early church, and he's writing to believers in Christ, followers of Jesus, in a New Testament city called Colossae. And as we dive into this new series called Colossians, you need to know that it's not just about information on a page. That's not what this is about. It's about a relationship with the God of the pages. That's what it's all about. And so in this series, we're going to see an amazing theological truth, but we're also going to see a powerful life lesson that flows right out of the gospel story of Jesus Christ. It's something that will impact your life. It's something that will impact my life right here and right now. What we're going to learn is we're going to learn that Jesus Christ is all that we need in this life. He is everything. He is all we need to move through this life and and to move through this life with confidence into the life to come. We'll also learn that the gospel is not supposed to be a private thing. The gospel is supposed to work itself out in every area of our life. It it should saturate our lives. And not only to change us, but to, to show the supremacy of Jesus Christ, to show that He is everything, that He is truly God. You see, Christ is the very source of our lives. And Paul says things in this letter, he says things like this, when Christ, who is our life, Christ is our life. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we're going to appear with Him in glory. I don't know how you start your day, but what if we started our days when we rolled out of bed and you hit the alarm clock and you got up? What if we started our days with a new perspective? What if we started our days with a perspective that I have everything I need in Christ, to be everything that God wants me to be. Like, there is no shortage in my account. I'm not overdrawn. I'm not short. I have everything I need in Christ to accomplish everything that God wants me to accomplish. What if we started our days thinking, man, I have the fullness of God. Like, God who who spoke the earth and the heavens into existence. Like, just the words are that powerful. Imagine what he can do with his right fist. Okay, just his words are amazingly powerful. And I have the fullness of this God dwelling in me, in Christ. I have the fullness of God in Christ, in me. Like, what if you woke up in the mornings and you had that perspective? I have everything I need. I am fully equipped. I'm fully prepared. I'm ready for today because I have the fullness of God in me right now. 
What if we started our days that way? It's a different way to think. It's a different way to view the world. Because see, many of us, we wake up and we immediately think of the shortage. We immediately think of, of what we're not good at or what we're not capable of doing. What if we thought differently? It would be a different way to live. That would be incredible. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, the verses are going to be on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. If you remember, Timothy was a younger man in the faith. The apostle Paul was mentoring him. And so they're writing this letter together. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. It's important for us to know that Colossians is not just a book of the Bible. A lot of times we think, man, you know, we even refer to it as the book of Colossians. But originally, this was a letter that was written by Paul and Timothy, just like a letter you would receive in the mail. It was a letter that was written to these people in the city of Colossae, these followers of Jesus in this local church in Colossae. It was written by Paul and his ministry partner, Timothy. And this this group of people, these followers of Jesus in Colossae, Colossae was a very important New Testament uh, city. It was a very important city at this time. And Paul is writing this letter with a purpose. There's something specific that he wants to, to talk with these followers of Jesus about. And you also need to know that Paul is writing this letter from prison. He and Timothy are both in prison. So it's really important as we go through this series that you have that lens, that you read this letter from that perspective. You've got to remember that he's sitting in prison, he and Timothy, as they are writing this letter. You want to know why that's important? Because it tells me that no matter what the circumstances are in my life, God can still be very much at work in and through me. Even if I'm sitting in a jail cell, God can accomplish, God can do what God wants to do. I think that's incredible. I believe that's the message that he's going to help us all better understand and find encouragement in as we walk through this series. And I believe we're going to see together through this series that the past does not define our future. We're going to learn that the past doesn't define our current circumstances. The past doesn't limit God or doesn't hinder God from doing what God wants to do in our lives. God is going to do what God is going to do. Nothing can stop Him. Nothing. And every time we open this letter, this letter called Colossians, every time we open it, And every time we look at one of these verses together, every time we're encouraged by God or we're moved by God or we're taught by God or led by God, every time we're encouraged through the words of Colossians, I want you to remember that all of this is coming through a man or men, Paul and Timothy, all of this is coming through men who surrendered their life to God. You see, amazing things happen when we surrender our lives to God. Amazing things happen. You say, man, what's so amazing? He's sitting in prison. 
But here we are, thousands of years removed, and we're still learning from this man who was sitting in prison. He ended up in prison in a prison cell, but even in that prison cell, he believed that these walls, these chains, cannot stop God from accomplishing His purposes in and through me. He wasn't defined by his circumstances. You see, Paul writes to us in this letter, he's going to talk to us about freedom. He's going to write to us about coming out of one life and moving into another. Like, I don't want you to raise your hands, but I know a lot of us are afraid of dying. We have this fear of death. And Paul's going to talk to us about that in this letter. He's also going to talk to us about moving out of the kingdom or the dominion of darkness and moving into the kingdom of light. What is that all about? How does that happen? He's going to talk to us about moving into the kingdom of forgiveness and redemption. You see, this is the work of God. This is the work of God in our hearts. So when we look at this letter called Colossians, I I want you to be encouraged. You see, God has great purposes for your life. He has plans for your life. He has great purposes. So be encouraged. Whatever state you are in, God has purposes and plans for you. And nothing that you are going through, nothing, not a health diagnosis, no situation that you're facing, no failure, no past is going to stop God from continuing to fulfill His purposes in and through your life. Nothing will stop Him. And that is the underlying hope of this little letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. It's full of hope. It's full of encouragement. You're going to be blessed as we read this letter, as we study this letter together. And to understand it better, before we dive in, we actually need to take a couple steps back. And you need to know a couple things before we dive into a letter like this in the Scriptures. First of all, I'm going to tell you two things that you need to remember that you need to think about. The first thing is this. We need to remember that we are holding the Word of God in our hands. Like This isn't just ink on a page or some random book. These are the words of God. This book is unlike any other book. This is actually God-breathed. This isn't just the work of man. This is God's Spirit helping us to see the heart of God. This is God's Spirit helping us to see God's wisdom and the person of God and the nature of God. And it's written in the pages of Scripture. So I want us to remember today as we dive into this powerful little letter that it's not just ink on a page, it's actually breath on a page. Okay, God's breathing out His truth. Yes, Paul and Timothy were the ones who penned it, but God's Spirit was speaking through them as they wrote this letter. It's God-breathed. God is breathing out His truth, His person to you and to me. second thing that you need to know is that whenever we come to a little letter like this in, in Colossians, you, you need to ask yourself some questions, okay? You see, sometimes people get into a lot of trouble when they go to the Bible because they'll pick out one verse and they'll say, yeah, this verse is my verse, this verse is awesome. For example... I've heard, I've seen some people pick out Luke chapter 4 and verse 7, which says, if you worship me, everything will be yours. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, who do I worship again? Because I want everything to be mine, you know? But when you unpack that, you learn that those were the words of Satan when he was tempting Jesus. So you can't just take one verse out and say, man, this is going to be my verse. You have to understand what's called the context. You have to ask yourself some questions. Like, what is the situation or the circumstances? For example, if someone were to write you a letter or write me a letter, you would think, man, you know, you get this letter in the mailbox, you open it up. The first question I'm probably going to ask myself is, who wrote this letter? And why did they write this letter? Like, what are they trying to communicate to me? Are they trying to catch me up on their life story? Are they trying to talk to me about something specific? You have to ask yourself some questions when you approach a letter in the Scriptures. So Paul has a specific reason. So Paul's the author. He's writing to these Christians in in the city of Colossae. And he has a specific reason why he's writing this letter. And he's writing this letter to this early New Testament church. And the reason is there was heresy in the church. You're like, what in the world is heresy? I've never even heard that word. Like, what are you talking about? What does heresy mean? It means that people were, were getting into the thinking of the people of the church. And they were adding to the simplicity, they were adding things to the purity of the gospel. You might be here this morning, you're like, Justin, what are you saying? You, you mean not everybody that comes to church is like, has the right motives? That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what all your people's motives are. Like, some people come and they play the game of religion. They're just playing church. They're not really interested in following the things of God. Maybe they're here because they're trying to get that relationship or that business connection. They're not here with pure motives. They're not here to follow Jesus Christ. And some people were just like that in Colossae. And they were adding things to the simplicity and the purity of Scripture. Have you, have you ever heard people say, man, it's just too easy? Like, you mean, I, I got to believe in Jesus that he lived and that he died, you know, was buried, and that he's alive now, and I'm going to have this salvation, and I'm going to live forever with him and, and, in heaven. Like, that's just too easy. It's too simple. There's got to be more that I have to do. Like, there has to be like a mountain I have to climb and carry a cross on my back or something. There has to be, like I have to get whipped 19 times or something, you know? Like, what, I have to do something more. But you see, the gospel, in its essence, is so simple. And it's so pure. And Paul is going to address the fact that nothing should be added to it. Nothing. So Paul writes this letter to address that. These people were adding to the simplicity and the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he wants to bring everyone back to this core belief. Like, Don't get distracted on the sideshows and the circus shows. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. And if you want to put Colossians, okay, you want to boil it down to its essence, you want to put it in a nutshell, the book of, or the letter, rather, of Colossians is about the supremacy of Jesus Christ and the sufficiency. He's enough. That's what it's about. So I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to be dismissed this morning. All right? Just kidding. I got a lot more to say. All right? (laughs) You guys are like, yes, yes, he's done. Yeah, tricked you. All right. This little letter is going to help us see that Jesus is the beginning of everything. 
He's the end of everything, and He's the center of everything. It means that He's the beginning of our lives. He's the end of our lives. He's the center of everything that we are. And all of this is affected by the power of what Christ has done for you and what He has done for me. We see this at the end of the very opening section of this letter. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14 of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at the last part of verse 12 through verse 14, and he says this, He, Jesus, has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, verse 14, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow! That's incredible. He's writing to the believers in Christ at Colossae and he, he commends them for their faith and he acknowledges that they've, they've heard the story of Jesus, this gospel, this good news. And they've heard the story of Jesus and, and this, this story, this good news, this message has changed their lives. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, it says that wherever the gospel goes, it changes people. Even to this day, when the gospel goes into the most remote, remote village, It changes people's lives. This message transforms people. It changes people. Anywhere in the world, any language, any culture, this message is so powerful. And then Paul encourages them for what God wants for them in their lives. And he said, the Spirit is going to give you wisdom. And because of that, some things are going to change in your life. See, the Gospel changes things. But then he brings us very quickly down to the central theme or the core message of this letter, which is the power of the gospel that takes us out of a life of darkness, out of a place of death, out of a place of destruction, out of a place of shame and guilt. And he transfers us, he brings us into a life of fullness in Jesus Christ. A place where, as Paul says, we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins. I don't know about you, but doesn't that sound refreshing? Doesn't that sound amazing? I don't know what's going on in your life, but maybe you're full of guilt. Maybe you're full of shame. Maybe you're walking in here broken. Maybe you're still in this place of darkness. You're like, man, it just seems like everything I do, all the decisions I make, all the places I go, it just doesn't work out right. It just seems full of darkness. And Paul's saying you can be transferred from this kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light where there's redemption and forgiveness, where you can see and know what your life is all about, where your life is full of purpose and hope and joy. And doesn't that sound refreshing? My family and I, we were uh, on McPhee Reservoir over the 4th of July with some friends and we were boating and playing on the water, and it was hot. Like, I was sweating everywhere, okay? It was just so hot. It was cooking. But every time I would jump into the water, splash, big splash. It was so refreshing. And I thought about that as I was, as I was reading these couple of verses. It's like, man, you're, you're washed clean, and, and you're just... You're not sticky, you're not dirty, you're not like, oh man, it's just hot and 
You're not in this kingdom of darkness. When you get transferred into the kingdom of light, it's like jumping into a refreshing lake on a hot day. It's just refreshing. It's different. Paul's writing to these believers in Christ at Colossae. And he says that we can be transferred from this kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And so as, as we begin this study, you need to know that we hold in our hands the very breath of God on pages. We understand also that there's something going on in this church, this church in the city of Colossae, that was troubling to Paul. It was troubling to Paul and Timothy. And together they're, they're thinking about how to address this, this false teaching, this heresy that was starting to, to go throughout the church. Once again, Paul, the leader and the founder of this New Testament movement, he was, he was troubled by the fact that people were adding to the story and they wanted to add to the simplicity of the gospel. You can do this research on your own, but people have done crazy things to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some people have said you have to pay money to get forgiveness. You have to give me money. Any volunteers? You have to give me money to get forgiveness. You have to do specific things. You have to jump through these hoops. They're adding to the simplicity of Jesus Christ, and Paul's going to address that. Specifically in Colossians at this time, he was addressing this idea that there was a secret faith. There was this secret society of people that had this special knowledge. Like only a certain select group of people could come to faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel was only for a certain group of people. There was other people, you're not allowed. It was only for a select group. These people were also saying things that you know, they had this special knowledge. They were saying that they had this insider information into the kingdom of God, into the things of God. Only a certain number of people could come into the kingdom of God. Only a certain number of people could get this information. And maybe one day, if you're introduced to that secret society, you too could know some of these secret things about the kingdom of God. There's still people to this day that teach and believe some of these things that the gospel is only for a certain number of people. That the gospel is not for everyone. And that's what some people were teaching and believing in the city of Colossae. People also wanted to add to the simplicity of the fact that Christ did all the work to bring us out of darkness and into the light. Christ did all the work to forgive us of our sins and to put us in a right relationship with God. And Paul is, is looking at what's happening in the church and he's looking at some of these people who are adding to the rules they're adding to the story of faith. And the Apostle Paul just simply says, now wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. There's no secret society where only a few people get to be invited in. The gospel is for everyone. It's not just for a select group of people. Like, wait a minute. That, that's not true. What do you, what are you think? That's, that's not right. Paul says, wait a minute, the gospel in and of itself is good enough to get us to God. You don't have to go to a certain temple or talk to a certain priest or climb a certain mountain or, you know, whip yourself with a whip. You, you don't have to do those things. The gospel itself is good enough to forgive you of your sins, to save you, to redeem you. 
The gospel is good enough to make us brand new people and to give us the power we need to live a transformed life. And so he's writing this message and he quickly comes to a hinge. And listen to what he says. Again, he says this in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He says, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. This dominion, this power, this, this kingdom of darkness, it's, it's where we were. Okay? We were trapped in our own brokenness and our own sinfulness. And God rescued us out of this kingdom of darkness. And he transferred us, he moved us into the kingdom of his dear son. There's two different kingdoms. You need to know this. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And through Christ, he transferred us into this kingdom of his dear son. In other words, Colossians starts with this brand new idea. You, I don't even know how to put this in words. You've got to understand this. this. This was written thousands of years ago for us. We've heard it a lot. Our country's oversaturated with it. But in this day, people were hearing this for the first time. This was a brand new idea. That it's not what you do that makes you a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not about works. It's not about being good enough. It's not about your performance. It's not what you do that makes you a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not what you do that brings you to life spiritually. It's what God did for you that makes you a follower of Jesus Christ and brings you to life spiritually. Like You need to know this this morning. Two words can explain the difference between religion, which there's a bunch of them, and a relationship with God. Two words. And it's these. It's the words do and the word done. You see, religion is all about doing. I have to be good enough. I have to do enough. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. But Jesus Christ says, no, you don't have to because I've already done it. I've already paid the price. And we can see throughout history when people get caught up in religion, it actually turns into do, do. Okay, that's what it turns into. It's not just about doing it. It just turns into a mess because man gets involved and they start adding to the gospel. But man, when we stay focused on Christ and it's like, it's not about my performance to come alive spiritually. It's about Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. Wow, a whole new world, a whole new kingdom opens up to us. You see, it's God taking us out of our broken, sinful state before Christ and moving us or transferring us through a decision of faith and grace into a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. You might say, man, how does this transfer work? You know, is it, is it uh, you know, how, how does it work? How, how do I get transferred from kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? It's through a decision of faith. It's when you say, yes, I believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. And I want to follow him. I want to follow him. I want Jesus to be my God. And you, were, you are now transferred into this kingdom of light. The, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, who purchased our freedom and forgave 
our sins. So once again, this is so important. This is so critical for your eternity. How do you get forgiveness? Is it through a secret path that you have to break? You know, you have to have the right decoder. You have to put it on the pages of Scripture, and if these words match up, you're in. Like, no, (laughs) it's not about a secret society. It's not a secret faith. How do you get forgiveness? It's through Jesus Christ alone. That's how you get forgiveness. How do you get into the kingdom of God? How do you find redemption in God? In Christ alone. It's not paying a priest or a pastor. It's not saying the right words. It's not climbing a mountain. It's not going to a temple. It's through Christ alone. That's how you receive forgiveness and redemption. You see, Christ bridges the gap. Christ opens the door and opens the way for you to have a brand new relationship with God. And he's affirming that right now through this phone call. All right? So I want to say welcome to Colossians. Welcome to this little letter. Welcome to what it's going to be like to walk out this life in Christ. And we're going to unpack that throughout this series together, but I I want us to get a little glimpse of that. Right here in chapter 1, Paul says this. He says, I'm praying that you're going to get this brand new view. Okay? Man, I can't overemphasize how many people are stuck right here in religion. And, And our view has to change. We have to get a new perspective. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that you get this brand new view, a brand new picture, a brand new understanding of what or who you are now that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you make that decision of faith and you're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you need to understand who you are. You are brand new. You have the the fullness of God dwelling in you through Christ. And you need to understand who you are. And what, what Paul's talking about is your identity. You see, many of us, once again, when we wake up, we put our feet on the ground, our first thought I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. Man, I don't got this today. And immediately, we're just this negative self-talk. We're beating ourselves down. We're in this kingdom of darkness. But our identity is brand new. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul says this beginning in verse 9. He's writing to these people of God in Colossae, and he says, so we have not stopped praying for you. I got to take just a real quick time out And just brag on the elders of Grace Church. I don't know if you know this or not, but the elders of Grace Church pray for you. And they pray for you often and regularly. We've gone through the list of everyone that we know that says, man, Grace Church is is the place I call home. And we try to contact you and and we want to say, hey, what, what do you need prayer for? How can we specifically pray for you? And we spend time before God praying for you. I don't know, I just... It fires me up because I feel like, man, I see it in Scripture and I feel like we're living out what God has instructed us to do. Paul was doing the same thing. He and Timothy, they were praying for the people of Colossae. He says, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And once again, please don't get this mixed up with some secret wisdom or some secret door that you, you know, 
You have to say the right things. You, you get wisdom from the Spirit of God. That's how you get wisdom. And he's going to give you wisdom so that these things can be true in your life that we're about to read about. So listen to the way he puts this picture in, in front of us right at the beginning of this letter. Verse 10. He says, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. So you, you can live out this reality of what Christ has put in you. Living out the reality of this transformation that happened when you put your faith, this decision of faith in Jesus. You see, pleasing the Lord is our new goal. It's, it's not about trying to compete with the neighbors or it's not trying to one-up each other. It's about pleasing the Lord. So what that means is I actually get to a place where I really don't care too much about what you think about me because that's not my goal is to please you. My goal is to please God, is to please Jesus. That's my focus. That's the way I want to live my life. So it's not to be better than the person next to me. It's to be pleasing to God. That's my motivation. That's how I'm living my life. And then he goes on to say, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all His glorious power so you will have all the endurance. The endurance. What what, what do we need endurance for? We need endurance to run this race called life. We need this endurance so we don't quit before we're supposed to. You see, some people roll out of bed, they put their feet on the floor, they're in the kingdom of darkness, they have all this negative self-talk, and they say, man, I don't have a purpose for my life. I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. I can't, I can't, I can't. And it's just this negativity, negativity, and so much so, they get to the point where they say, I don't, life isn't worth living. That is the kingdom of darkness. And God says, no, I want you to be in the kingdom of light. You have great purpose. You have great meaning. Your existence matters. I have great plans for your life. So we need endurance that we would run this race, we would finish this course to the very end, and that we would accomplish everything that God has put into us to accomplish. That's why we need endurance. And he says, in the patience you need, And then he says at the end of all that, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Why? Why why do we want this? Why are we always thanking God? It goes back to the core of our belief system because He has enabled you to share. He, Jesus, has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. You see, God has given us a brand new life, a brand new hope, a brand new future. He has given us this, what he calls an inheritance in the kingdom of light. And how did he do it? By taking us out of the kingdom of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. How did he do this? I know, I know you guys have heard me say this before. I probably sound like a broken record. But I have four boys. And when I think to myself, man, would I give up one of my boys for any of you? Would I lay their life down so that you could have life? I mean, I like you and all, but I, I don't think I could. I don't think I could. But God 
willingly gave His dear Son so that you and I could have life. And Jesus willingly, He didn't go to the cross kicking and screaming. He willingly laid His hands down so they could drive the nails in His hands. He willingly put His feet down so they could drive the nails in His feet. He willingly took the punishment so that we could have hope and life and this brand new future. He willingly took it for us. And that's how we can transfer. It's You and I, we don't, we don't have the ability, we don't have the power, we're not good enough. We can't transfer ourselves out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The only way it can be done is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It's faith in the work and the person of Jesus to be sufficient. He's enough. So if you're wondering, like that's the operational grid of Colossians. The operational grid of Colossians is faith in Jesus alone. That's what it's about. It's faith in the work and person of Jesus to be sufficient to forgive us, to change us, to give us this brand new identity and a brand new possibility, brand new future through the Spirit, to live lives that are pleasing to God. It's incredible truth. It's an incredible letter. One of the most, if not the most important letter ever written in the history of mankind. So as we walk on this journey together, that's what we're going to be unpacking. That's what we're going to discover together. You're going to hear a lot about Jesus in the next four weeks. Just to give you a heads up, you're going to hear a lot about Him And this tiny little letter, it has a huge impact. It has huge possibilities for your life, for my life, for our futures. It's going to be an incredible time together. So as as I wrap things up here, as we close, I just want to challenge you real quickly. You know, we've talked about coming up with some core values for your family. We've talked about, um, man, getting on top of our finances, um, getting out of debt, learning how to, to manage our money in a way that pleases God. We've talked about the win or the strategy for our church. But as we go through this series of Colossians, I want to challenge you to read the letter of Colossians. Read it every week throughout this series. That means you're going to read it four times. I think it would just be a really powerful way for you to engage with the Scripture. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I don't want us to even get close to this secret society that, man, only the pastor has this special knowledge that he talks to us about on Sunday. No, no. You can know for yourself. You can open up God's Word and you can read it for yourself. So I want you to read Colossians and read it once every week. And I think it would be a really good way to engage in this series and I think God would speak to you in, in really powerful ways throughout this series. So, so commit to read this letter. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, thank you for your Word. Thank you for this letter that Paul and Timothy wrote. Lord, I pray that I would handle your word rightly. Lord, that you would speak through your word in incredibly powerful ways. That you would speak to the minds and the hearts of people. That you would transform lives. I pray that people far from Jesus would would be in this place. And through this series, they would come to this faith 
they would, they would move from this kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light, that they would make the decision in this series to follow you. And as they open up the pages of Scripture for themselves, I pray that you would speak to them powerfully and that you would make yourself known to them in ways that they've never experienced. God, we love you. We praise you. And uh, we just ask you to bless this series, Colossians. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We just, we thought it'd be really appropriate.